Retro Freaks. This is Chris from Retro Life For You Podcast. I just want to take a moment of my time here to go over with you a partnership we've done recently with 80stees.com. It's a place online you can go to to purchase t-shirts for your everyday wear that represents a lot of the stuff you love from your childhood growing up that you still love today. They've got t-shirts that cover movies, cartoons, music, superheroes, 80s television, fantasy, wrestling, retail brands, video games, horror movies. They even branched out a bit to cover some 90s movies as well. Because let's face it, 80s wasn't the only decade out there. The 90s had some good stuff too. Don't tell anybody I said that though. Right now though, if you're wanting to purchase a t-shirt from 80stees.com and you're just not sure if you want to go ahead and do it, we're offering 30% off of 80stees.com with our discount code RETROLIFE. Once again, Retro Life, R E T R O L I F E. When you get to the end of your purchase, put that code in. They will give you 30% off your total order and you'll be ready to go. Make sure you tell them that Chris and Travis from Retro Life for You sent you. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show again. Today, Travis, we have a something you and I have talked about doing that was really a fun idea we've been looking forward to. This is a show we're going to take 10 items that were props from some of our favorite movies and stuff for our Retro Life for You Man Cave. Yeah, it's gonna be a good show today, Chris. <laughs> is it is it because is it because you're thinking about something that Arnold Schwarzenegger had and that's why you're talking like him? Yeah, yeah, I'm excited today almost as much as I am for when we are eventually going to do the show on Arnold. On Arnold, yes, we will eventually get to that show on Arnold for sure, but it is not today. No, and it's not even today. though you might have a couple of ideas of Arnold stuff. For the retro yeah. life for you, man cave. Yeah, which I, is what we're discussing on this episode. We are this episode, yes. Uh, that doesn't mean you can talk like Arnold for the whole show. I'm afraid. So, okay, just for that one item, that's what I'm going to do. Just, just for the one item. All right. So no, I'm just, I'm just, one, I'm just saying. I mean, you you can't talk like yeah. Arnold if we're you doing somebody show. who's not Arnold. But but you get the picture anyway. Well, I could so, maybe maybe. Uh, maybe I could be yeah. like you know. I wish that I had taken this role. Uh-huh. <laughs> or or I could kick you off the show temporarily and look at the camera and tell people, yeah, me back. Yeah, you could do that too. You'd be like, I see. Back. Because in our, in our, uh, the way we do this is when we're not in our studio, you can actually see us. You can see the people that are in our green room yeah. across the bottom. So he would see me, my head bouncing and my tongue coming out of my mouth. He would know I was still doing the voice. You could say, not yet, not yet. <laughs> not yet. He'll be back. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, but today we're going to take 10 items, okay? Uh, these are not just 10 random items. We actually sat down and talked about this for a little bit. We picked the first 10 items that we said we would put in our Retro Life for You main cave. As you see behind me here, this is an image that we think would be very fitting for our main cave. Lots yeah. of room, lots of space, uh, wide open space to put tables and cabinets and such and lots of wall yeah. space there to stand up some arcade might games possibly even, or might even squeeze the hood of a car in there or maybe might, the front end or something you, you never know i mean we don't know it could be that we're gonna have an entirely different show that's based on a giant warehouse for cars and everything where we go yeah. on that route that would be cool so, too. like a jay leno like a retro life for you jay think, leno garage exactly we could do that we Heck could do yeah. that so um what we will do, uh, we're, we're going to get started on it. The very first item we have on the list, though, is going to Travis because, well, you'll understand why in just a second. 
Yeah, the very first item. That's something I wanted to add real quick too. Is we didn't just like grab the most obvious stuff either. Like we grabbed stuff that we were like through our talking about it. You know, we were like this, this right here would be cool. And you know, yeah. I mean, some of it does seem obvious though. I just some of it's a little obvious, but not a whole lot. Maybe this one right here, if everyone knows what the fan I am, it's going to be the Atlantean sword that Conan found in the in the cave or whatever after his whatever broke. Yeah, Conan's sword is like any man cave I ever have, any is or that I'm involved in, I'm trying to get that sword in there somehow. Because that sword, um, that wasn't the one that meant so much, I don't think. I think his father's broken sword was the one that meant so much in the movie. Uh, you know, at the very beginning of it, when his dad told him, you know, there's nothing in this world you can trust, not man, not woman, not, not animal, but this. And he held up the sword. He said, this you can trust. He's talking about steel. And then that's a, that's a recurring theme throughout the movies. Well, what does the video of steel? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? So yeah, that that one's a big deal for me, and I, you know, and in the future we're doing you know our first few items, but in the future I would probably want quite a few props from from that movie. Uh, we this is just a part one. Yes, uh, this is going to be a, an ongoing series. We'll, we'll spread out over a good period of time, so you won't mm -hmm. hear part two for quite a while. So no hopes up on that. Yeah. But we'll definitely so, yeah. have multiple parts of it because we, we can't just have 10 items in the man cave and leave it at that yeah no heck no we got to fill yeah. our man cave up so kiddos that uh yes there was conan movies before jason momoa and um they had arnold in them and they were what propelled him to stardom truly uh conan the barbarian is what kind of made him take off in the in the cinematic world yeah, he was already he was already known in a sense, you know, but I mean he wasn't really real well known. Yeah, he was known from being, you know, I think at that time a five-time Mr. Olympia. Mm -hmm. uh, he was ultimately a six-time Mr. Olympia. But um, you know, you also you had James Earl Jones. Yes. You know, the great James Earl Jones, uh Sundel Bergman as Valeria. Yes. And Valeria was the the queen of thieves that Arnold fell in or that Conan fell in love with. She was like, uh, I guess you'd say she was his match at, in a woman form. You know what I mean? I guess that's the kind of the feeling you get. Yeah. Uh, and was it, was it the, no, it was Conan the Destroyer that Grace Jones was in. Grace right. Jones and Will Chamberlain was in Conan right. the Destroyer. So, but yeah, and then you had um, Subutai, which was uh, Jerry or Gary Lopez. I don't know. It's spelled with a G, but it's E-R-R-Y. So I don't know if it's Gary or Jerry. I would lean toward, go either way. Yeah. And um, the great Mako was the narrator and the wizard. Yeah. Uh, I believe he was in both of them. Yes. Barbarian and Destroyer. He was. And he was in a tons on tons on tons of old uh, martial arts movies, too. Kung Fu yes. movies. Yes. So infamous. infamous I was man. Uh, I was kind of looking this sword up myself earlier a little bit to get a little bit of an idea about it. Uh, they talk about the Conan sword in the movie mm -hmm. called the Atlantean sword, 27 inches long for the blade, mm -hmm. uh, including the handle itself. It's 36 and a half inches in length total. Yes. So when they, when they do the, than what you think of when you look at the picture, right? That is a, that's a large sword. And when they count the blade, they're counting from, you know, where that uh, silver outlet outlay, I guess you'd call it stops and then it actually turns into a blade so 
you know, there's a part beyond the hilt and the handle and the the handguard that actually still goes up. And you see him in the movie using utilizing that part of the sword a good bit for yeah. you know extra leverage to push through or to swing or stuff like that too. So yeah. really cool design on a sword too is from a fighting standpoint. I think definitely very worthy. Very worthy of the man cave item. Hundred percent. Wahama. Thank you for that pick. The next pick, uh, I believe we both picked it together. We well, yeah, we probably did. But this is definitely something oh, that both of us would want. Now, are you talking I, about? We, we didn't pick it together. I think it was in like our top top few. Is what it, it was. It was. It was. It was definitely within our top few things that we would yeah. both want in our personal man case. Yes, I do remember that. But number two, we got here is the 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 actual. Boom. Oh, you're okay. See, you went different than mine, and I see what you did. See, my list is in a different order than yours, I guess. Oh, I was going by what we had on the overlay on our on our. Uh, but we can go in, we can, we can go in any order at all. Oh, okay. That right there though is great as well. I mean, you definitely had to have that, and both of us did pick that as well. Right. The glove for Freddy Krueger from Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, that is a must-have, especially if you are a horror fan. So if you're a horror fan of that time frame, there's no way you're not having the glove that Freddy Krueger wore on his hand. That's just right. It's just a must-have thing. The blood, the, the 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 glove itself, it was designed and constructed by Lou Carlucci. Mm-hmm. The weapon was a modified leather work glove with metal back plate, mm-hmm. and extended across the four fingers with a blade attached to each finger. Mm-hmm. As the franchise continued, the blades attached grew bigger and more menacing, while the back plate and leather base of the glove kind of became lighter and more weathered with each you know subsequent film. Right. Uh, one of the more memorable slasher film weapons, really, when you think about it, when it comes to uh, these type things, because you know the other ones you got Friday the Thirteenth, he's just got a machete, and Michael Myers in Halloween just has his knife and. I mean, it's just and the glove too. And, and now, aside from the real world construction of the glove in the movies, that was a product of his imagination because yeah. you know he killed the children with knives and all. So the glove was actually like that was his own little design, yeah. nasty killer piece. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that was something that you would think when you think of something that is scary to you, if you see someone coming at you and they've got a glove with knives. You know, it's like, you know, <laughs> yeah. that's just like this is not Wolverine, people. Okay, this yeah, is not, that's pretty. Uh, this that's is pretty not scary. a this is not a mutant here. This is a man with knives for fingers coming at you, and he's about to just gut you with yeah. it or slash you across the face or something, and it's gonna hurt. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, in the way so, he was all burned up and stuff too, man. And, and you know what? The scariest thing for me when I was young about Freddy is the fact that you know everybody else, I would be like, you know what? They ain't messing with me. They're going to let, because if you, you know what I mean? As a kid, as a kid, everybody else was pretty much going to let me live. They was pretty much going to walk by me, leave me alone. Mm-hmm. Freddie was coming for me. You see what I'm saying? Like Freddie yeah. was about murdering kids. Yeah. Exactly. And <laughs> to me, to me, the scariest thing about Elm Street, I mean, and there are so many things with Freddie Krueger that could be, that could appear scary to you. He's got the burnt skin where the parents yeah. of the children had burned him alive. The voice. The Robert voice England. he has. Yeah. And, uh, nobody but Robert England can do that, that uh-huh. character. He's the only one who can really do it and make it work for me. Yeah. The, 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 the goofy, uh, well, the ugly outfit, the red and green sweater and the hat and everything <laughs> he's got. 
But I mean, the fact that he comes after you in your dreams where you are helpless because yeah. you can't really control what's going on in your dreams. And this is mm -hmm. where he's 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 coming for you at. So that's why to me this glove is so iconic and as, as a symbol for horror because you're in a dream where you can't control it and you can't get out and you get this man with this you know awful looking weapon on his hand he's about to come gut you with it basically and there's right. nothing, and you know there's nothing you can do about it so yeah. that's to me that's like no that and it was oh sweet it did it does make it i couldn't remember what year it was i had to just look it up real quick and it does fall into our retro life so for you, we're going to let you know that Wes Craven's New Nightmare was uh, released in 1994. And in Wes Craven's New Nightmare, I remember this. Uh, every it was The New Nightmare was pretty cool because it was kind of fourth wall breaking, sort of. Sort of. To where, you know, Robert England was Robert England and Nancy was Heather. Uh, Heather, Heather yeah, Heather. Thank you. Heather Camp. So they were like all in their real world. Even Wes Craven, I think, was in it. Uh, yeah. They they were all like in the real world, you know, and they they had played these parts, and the, so the the nightmare franchise was, you know, what I mean, it's set like it's in the real world. So they had the prop Freddy glove, and the prop Freddy glove kind of came to life, so to speak, with the spirit of Freddy and started running around murdering people. So then Freddy like pulled over into the real world, and it was like it was it was pretty cool. And also to know that these. And the reason why it's called the Nightmare on Elm Street is because these were actually nightmares that Wes Craven had. So Freddie is actually from Wes Craven's true nightmares. And what would happen, I, heard, I watched an interview with him. He would start having these terrible dreams and then he'd pin a movie out for Freddie and the dreams would go away. And then, you know, a little while later, a year or two later, he'd start having dreams again. So every time he started having dreams about Freddie, he'd pin a movie and then the dreams about Freddie would go away. But yeah. Freddy Krueger is actually Wes Craven's own personal nightmare, which is That's pretty crazy. That's cool. It's crazy at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like, and freaky. Could you imagine that? That'd be, a, yeah. that'd be some terrible nightmares to be having, man. Right. Man. So, yeah. So, right, well, we'll maybe this our... next one, if you're seeing the same screen I'm seeing. So, the next one I remember was my number two and was your I'm number gonna, one. I'm going to wait till you put it up there. I think you're going where I was going to go a moment ago, but I'm going to wait till you put it up first. It might be. We're going to go pow, pow That's it. Right there. Yes. That's where I was headed. Okay. That's where I was headed. That's that's definitely one of many arcade games that I would have in my main cave. And, you know, don't forget, your, your main cave isn't exactly just based on TVs and movies and stuff. This is based right. on the nostalgia that we grew up around and everything. So, 100%. but this particular thing we're doing is from the movies. Mm -hmm. This mm -hmm. this episode. So yes, but that right there alone, that arcade game, a working version arcade Bang. game of the last Starfighter. Yeah. That would have to be something that we'd have to have in there. And I was reading this to you earlier, Travis. Yes. This was very interesting. I thought that I found out on this. Um, you want to read this to you here what i found earlier the last starfighter video game apparently atari was making one in 1984 because mm -hmm. the vector graphics games were their best at the arcade yeah with the price of a completed cabinet estimated at ten thousand dollars in 1984 yes and a usually high figure for the time atari's higher ups deemed it too expensive for most arcade owners of the era to stomach. And so it was that with the last Starfighter arcade game around 75% finished 
the plug was abruptly pulled. We were 25% oh. away of having an arcade game finish of the last Starfighter that would have been at the arcades for us to play, but it was too expensive to do. So what they did we at this point was that, yes, sitting at the arcade. Exactly. We might have had somebody from Rylos come pick Man. us up and take us up there to go kill aliens or something. They missed they, they messed and, us up. Exactly. But it says they here that they oppressed us. They did, and I'm mad about it. I'm, I'm mad about it. I, am I want reparations. Right. I want a, I want an arcade game now. They're gonna make us one. <laughs> but it's says, interesting enough, the arcade machine wasn't the only video game tie-in affected by the movie's subpar performance. I don't know what they're talking about subpar performance. I love the movie. I thought it was right. Great. Uh, it seems like it did, it did okay in the theaters too, didn't it? Uh, it did fairly well to, at at the theaters. They they, they say subpar performance because. It did fairly well, not great in their eyes as oh, far as okay. money goes. Yeah, yeah, but it's not always about the money. This is about a lasting experience of this movie that today is huge. They didn't know how big it would be at the time. Uh, yeah, hundred percent of, of, of people down the road. I mean, it's got it's gained popularity over the years, definitely, yeah, especially after absolutely. the VHS release. Uh, there's there's people out who weren't even alive when this movie came out who love this movie. Right, you know, exactly. It says here the Atari's 8-bit home computer was originally set to get a last Starfighter game, but it was reworked and released as Star Raiders 2 in 1986. So if anybody uh, out there had the Atari system and you had Star Raiders 2, just so you know, that yeah. was going to be the last Starfighter. It's based off there of that. Go. There you go. And let us know how it is. Yeah, because, you know, we want it now. Yeah. Apparently, also, <laughs> there's a software floating around out there on the internet for your computer that you can get, and you can install it on your computer, and it plays just like the screen does on the arcade game of the cabinet. Uh, the controls, of course, are your keyboard, so it's a little bit weird to get the hang of and learn. Yeah, a little but, wonky. Sometimes a little, it can be. A little wonky, yeah, but I mean, you get to, once you learn it, they say it's not that bad, and it fits pretty fun if you're a Starfighter fan. Absolutely. So, so there's always that. Did you know... That the star car that they took to Rylos was based off of the DeLorean? I did not. I just learned that. That this uh, Centauri star car is based off the DeLorean, including its gold wings and its stainless steel construction. It was all based off of the DeLorean, which is pretty pretty neat, I think, too. There you go. We, we did talk about that in our car episode recently, Iconic we Cars. Did. We, we did. Said, well, we, we said, why didn't we put Centauri's car in it? And we said, because we don't know what in the world it is. There you go. <laughs> now we, we just found out. That's right. Now <laughs> we yeah. know. And knowing, Travis. Is half the battle. That's right. I'm not, that's yelling, right. Yo, I'm not yelling Yo Joe on that one, but still. I can't right now. I would. You know I would. I know you I would. I would probably wake up half the house. And then that's going to ruin it's everything. a little then. late on my you're gonna, side you're of gonna get us. You're going to get us in trouble. Yeah. And uh -huh. Mama might come out of the doorway and use something she's got on me a whip. Oh, not Wait, a man, whip. that don't sound good. Hey, hold on, hold on. <laughs> a whip or the whip? The whip. We don't have a copy of that one, but still, that's one that we would have in our retro life for you man cave for that's sure. Right. Everybody thinks of Indiana Jones, and they love Indiana Jones. But they think, what would I take from Indiana Jones first? The hat is very iconic. Absolutely. Because Absolutely. And, and it's also brought up, if you watched even the most recent one, the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which I believe is definitely outside of our spectrum we, we, that we go over here. Yeah. But uh, in the Kingdom of the Crystal, uh, well, Kingdom, the Crystal Skull, whatever it's called. Yeah. Um, in this one, the hat is also iconic in that one. 
that it blows off of where it's at and his supposed son, if you haven't seen this, spoiler alert, picks mm-hmm. it up to put it on and he takes it from him and says, not yet, kid. I don't think you're ready for that. Yeah. And puts it back on his head. Yeah. So, I mean, every time in the movie you see he is putting this hat on. Um, I forget if it's the third one or if it was even in the first. I want to say it's in the third one uh, where he's uh, actually, a, they're showing him as a kid at first. And then it kind of jumps from him being a kid to as an adult, him picking the hat back up and putting it back on his head again. It's, it's, right. like, a, it's like an iconic scene in the movies. Why, I don't know. Him just putting that hat on, it's the way he does it. Mm-hmm. It's like he does it with a certain style about it. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And people are like, I want that hat, I want that hat. But come on, people. Why wouldn't you want the whip first? It's yeah. A, it's it's his thing of choice. When you, think of, when you think of Indiana Jones other than the hat, you think of the whip. And he uses the whip for so many multiple things. Right. Now, as a survivalist, a little bit of a survivalist and bushcrafter, I would say that the hat would be very useful. But, I mean, if it's going in my man cave, I'm getting the whip, dude. The whip. 100%. Exactly. 30, it says over 30 whips were supplied for the films, ranging from 6 feet to 16 feet. The most commonly used whip in the films were 8 to 10 feet, with others being used for stunts. Harrison Ford mostly carried a 10-foot whip, but used 8-foot ones for some stunts. Hmm. The, whips, the whips used in the film were made out of kip hide, with kangaroo hide being used for the others. At the time of Raiders, there was a problem importing kangaroo leather, to make a bull whip, so David Morgan used the leather made from young calves to make the famous whips, it says. Okay, okay. So that's the kip. The uh, kip I mean, whip. The kip whip. But he the used it. Whip. I mean, he used it for disarming people. He used no it kangaroos. We got to use baby cows. That's right. Well, use it, anyway. Use it for, he used it for swinging across an open you know, pit. I mean, well, yeah, I mean everything. How much more could he use this thing for? Because it's, it's practically there for everything for him. He'd take a beer off somebody else's table. He probably could. <laughs> He's bad that way. Yeah, yeah. We, that's what we said. I mean, he was he was disarming people with him. He he knock your hat off with it. He see his he can disrespect his hat. Can't disrespect your hat, but his whip can. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, I, I just don't see why you would want anything other than. From at and, least from those, and, and don't forget, and what you thought was going to be the biggest scene for that whip in the entire movie, the guy across from him comes around, and I think he is his swords he's got where he's yeah, he's swinging, like, he's swinging the swords everywhere. Do you think he's going to take that whip and do something bad? Yeah, and looks at him and smiles and pulls his gun out and shoots him and walks yeah. on. And that was an ad lib from Harrison Ford. Yes, what a perfect what a perfect time for an ad lib. Perfect timing. He was known for that. He was known for giving. Great one, uh, great ad libs and his timing being impeccable. I remember in um, when Princess Leia said, I love you, and he looked down and said, I know it was like, <laughs> that was an ad lib, and it was that so was great that everybody was like, You know, hey, leave it in, leave it in. It's perfect, yeah, yeah. Okay. that's awesome. Speaking of Star Wars, next up on our list, can y'all guess what, what we want next up on our list? What you know, what before you do that, man, that is an awesome segue you just did. Thank you. I mean, you, you led right, led right into it. I mean, it's like I appreciate that. You are professional beyond me. Hey, tonight, anyhow. Tonight, yeah. I think our previous, uh, our previous shoot set me up for it, man. It could be. Now, look, people yeah. here are thinking, I know what you're going to get. It's Star yeah. Wars. There is no way you're not going to have one of two things. A you're lightsaber. Either, you're either going to have Luke's lightsaber, or you're going to have Han Solo's blaster. 
That's yeah. one of the two you're going to have. Or Darth Vader's lightsaber. It could be. but Maybe Darth me, Vader's helmet. Show me which weapon we chose. Oh, we chose more than just a weapon. We chose an entire outfit. Oh, it's That's missing right. a weapon. Sorry. It should have the jet pack with the rocket on the back. But right. we know that goes there. Yes. We want a replica set. Or actually, we want the set if we could have it. But if not, yes. we'll settle for a replica set. Well, these are movie props. These are our movie props. props. So right. it has to be that That's set. right. That's right. If it's a movie prop, it has to be that actual yeah, set that from the movie. It had to be in the movie. Yes, and we will, we will dress up a dressmaker's dummy with Boba Fett's outfit. And we'll That's have Boba right. Fett in our man cave. Boba Fett. And, and, then, when, and then when Travis is nowhere around ooh, and ooh. I'm feeling all Star Warsy and stuff, I'm going to put that outfit on and act like I'm bounty hunting people. Yeah, that's a hey. Why would you not? Like, right. there ain't no point in having it if you ain't gonna dress up in it sometime. You darn skippy. That's a and that's something through that we were talking about. Um, whether or not it, this is a question, um, that we had earlier and that we found out that this the answer to this question is truly just kind of unknown. It's a debated back and forth a lot as yeah. to whether or not Boba Fett's armor was actually Beskar steel. We don't know. Um, the Mando, which is new stuff, um, alludes to it being Beskar. I mean, it's kind of obvious that it's Beskar. And, but the older stuff, somewhere back in canon, which they call or old canon, what they call Legends now, which is no longer canon, mean it was Beskar or it was some other kind of metal I forget the name of. Uh, so we don't know. But it don't have to be Beskar to be super dope. No, I mean, just think about this. Keep that picture up for a minute, if you don't yeah. mind, Travis. That picture right there, if it was in your man cave on a dressmaker's dummy of sorts, you know, and you've got that, I mean, helmet, backpack with the rocket, you know, the, the rocket, the, the jet pack and all on there. Mm -hmm. I mean, just how, how much of a conversation piece would that be amongst people who collect yeah. things? That no is doubt. cool to say you have the suit that the Boba Fett wore in the Empire Strikes Back. And not only Return. that, that's just that suit among uh, among Star Wars fans and what well, kind of nerds in general. Yeah. Um, that suit is just as iconic as any other. Like, you know, um, if if it was to be Luke's. Uh, maybe his, his the white outfit that he wore on Tatooine or maybe if it was to be Darth Vader's outfit or, you know, if anybody else, a stormtrooper, a full stormtrooper suit. You know, Boba's just as iconic as any of those things. Yeah, I sometimes, mean, uh, sometimes more so with a certain sect of people. I, I, I would say that uh, that suit's more iconic than a stormtrooper suit because, yeah, I mean, stormtroopers it, it would be more place. iconic to have to, to own one. Yeah, because the stormtrooper, there's thousands and millions of those. They're not, they're not special. Right. <laughs> even, if it, even if it's the Imperial Guard in the red uniforms, the red suits, yeah. I mean, the Boba Fett is still more iconic even than those. I you didn't see very many of those. Right. But I mean, with with the Boba Fett, you know, he's the cool bounty hunter with the gadgets, yeah, and and, and the jetpack that can fly away or something. You want, you you're wanting that, absolutely. So I mean, I, it's, it's it's something I couldn't pass up on if the price was right for sure. Hundred percent, I, I believe that's true. If I this next one too, we couldn't pass up on it. There's no way, even no matter if the price is right or not, you just gotta <laughs> well, get one. Oh yeah. What yeah. in this picture do we want? That is a nice plant back there in the back. I know. I mean, I, I've never had a plant look like tree. that in my house before. That's what um, I'm looking. That's what I'm wanting right there. Yeah, I've actually had a palm tree before. But you know what? Younger. 
You know, I, I'm in Florida. And I still don't have a palm tree. But oh, wow. look, I tell you what, and yeah. I, I will trade you that palm tree for one of those proton packs. Oh, yeah. That would probably look better in a man cave. Yeah, I, I think so. <laughs> yeah. Although the tree would bring some liveliness to the place. but you know, It would. The proton pack is much cooler. The proton pack would be awesome. Those those proton packs, those those were designed for the 1984 movie Ghostbusters. Now, believe it or uh -huh. not, there were several variations of the proton pack that was done. Uh, they say it's different in the Ghostbusters Afterlife movie that just recently came out. And I'm out. kind of upset that we don't have Winston in the picture right there. I'm sorry for that. I know. Well, you know. First on the grab, man. Really and truly, we're just going for the, pro the, the pack itself. That was the main yeah. purpose of the yeah. picture. True that, true that. But this particular proton pack was the one that was created by Egon Spangler and Ray Stance, two of the uh -huh. Ghostbusters there, to counter the negative energy of ghosts with a proton stream, it says. A stream mm -hmm. of positively charged ions. The stream would contain a ghost upon contact because the proton stream was very dangerous and barely... Well, I just skipped a line altogether. The proton huh. stream was very dangerous and barely controllable. At the Sedwick Hotel in the movie, Ray realized they had not achieved a completely successful test of their equipment, so Egon kind of blamed himself for this. A successful field test was conducted on a chambermaid's card, and it says Egon later informed the other Ghostbusters with crossing proton streams would resist, uh, um, sorry, resist, would result in total protonic reversal, which would... Uh, Pretty much, Travis, oh. blow everybody up to pieces, basically. Right, right. Just create like some kind of wormhole. It would cause, scary. it says it would cause a user's body to explode at the speed of light. So don't cross your streams. Don't funny enough, streams. funny thing we're going to talk about for just a second here. Let's do it because it's great. I am not trying to just, you know, press for, we're not pressed for time or anything right now. So we, we got a little bit to do right. this if I want to steer off subject a little bit. Exactly. I was trying to think of names for my podcast here yes and i say my podcast because at the time it was just me i mm -hmm. couldn't i had nobody else that was interested in wanting to get on board with this and do anything with this right um so i'm asking around to all my friends and i reached out to travis said you got any, any names for you can think of for a cool name i said i want to reference maybe some movies or something or a tv show or just anything and he said well what about you know crossing the streams Cross the because because we were, I was going to do 70s, 80s, and 90s, or maybe just 80s and 90s. I couldn't make up my mind at the time. And crossing the streams yeah. was perfect because you wouldn't want to cross an 80s stream and a 90s stream because they're going to yeah. clash. Right. So come to and find out that two it's of the also people are, funny because sometimes we'll get drunk in the backyard uh -huh. or you'll be on a camping trip all drunk and be like, hey, man, don't be crossing <laughs> streams, man. That's gutty, man. <laughs> oh, my God. That's going to get us banned on YouTube. Uh, uh, maybe, but uh, <laughs> maybe not. I think we'll be all right. It's, but still, uh, it's it, it's probably borderline, like my Klingon joke was, I guess. For yes, you know yes. the the worlds that we get. Uh, that being said, again, uh, two other at least two of the people had the name crossing the streams. One of them, which was a, is a sports related show of all things, had it, and uh, I didn't want to take the time to try to rebrand. And go with the different spelling of it. So I didn't stick with the name that I have now. I had this from the get go, mm -hmm. and it was originally just an Instagram account. Yeah. But crossing the streams with the whole, it, we had a, I had a whole Ghostbuster theme thought up about it with the crossing the stream bit and everything. I just never got to go through with it. And now, if we were to try to reband into something else, it'd be terrible because now we have, we've got actually a couple of um, pretty for us. Uh, important and big interviews under our belts so yeah 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's uh, uh, the interviews. Go back and watch some of our old shows and stay tuned for new shows because we got interviews. 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 Um, interviews are always fun. It's always yes. very fun. Uh, actually, Travis, I believe by the time this episode airs, one of them is already going to be out. Yes. So they'll see that one at, least, at the very least. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we'll maybe spread the others that we got to come up at a little bit more. Right. But that being said, though, back to the proton pack itself. I mean, obviously, you won't have a working proton pack in any way. Right. But the look and the appearance of it, I mean, having one of the actual prop that they wore in it, I don't know if the, what it was built out of. I couldn't find anything telling me what the prop was built out of. If it was a heavy pack they had to wear, if it was uh, all just fancy looking, but a real light pack because it was just fancy looking. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, you get the special effects, the green screen and everything, and the CGI for all the streams coming out and such. But the proton pack with the trap, that's the, that's that's the, was, that's the complete was, set. I was about to bring that up. It's seeing the proton fat pack feels kind of like a two for two because you get that you get the, the ghost trap right. with it. Right. It's almost like an extra you get with it. Yeah, but it's it's like it's all like a all included deal. You you can't have a proton pack and not have a tractor, but it's it's useless at that point. What are you gonna do? Exactly, you just so, hold on to the ghost and piss it off until you run out of power for your proton pack. That's right. And then you got nowhere to put the ghost. That's right. You gotta have a trap. You gotta have a trap. That's crazy. So yeah, so are we? Uh, we still got we got even more cool things. Uh, uh what? I have nothing for Ghostbusters. Okay, well, you did say that you almost skipped something. I almost skipped something, too. We were talking about how we had these things sitting in order, and and not in particular order by, you know, favorites or whatever we wanted to get. But I just skipped down the board and completely passed up on one of Bonnie Chris's book's favorites as well that we would want to have in our uh, Retro Life for You man cave, and that would be... The glaive. Paulwyn's glaive from the movie Crawl, in which he had to stick his hand into magma to ret- prove he was worthy of wielding such a weapon to retrieve it to save his beloved from the beast. The beast. And it was actually called The Beast. The bad guy's name was The Beast. The Beast. That was it. That was uh, the name. Oddly enough. And he the... lived in the Black Fortress. Yes. Oddly so enough, this weapon that was so devastating that he went and got, do you remember that the weapon was hardly used? Yeah. I tell you, odd. You would think with a weapon that was so great to use and to wield and everything, he would have made more use of it during the movie with everything. But I don't know if it's that he, I don't remember if it's just he didn't understand the usage of it or what right. the deal exactly was. But I just remember that it was not used at off that often at all. And with the uh-huh. come to the glaive, it's like a boomerang and a throwing star. You could throw it. It's got the little knives coming out of it that'll hit things and destroy them or kill them or whatever, but it comes back to you like a boomerang does. Yes. So, uh, and it was, you're you're right. It's weird how it really, like, once he got it, it was like, and then he just kind of used it like two or three times. Yeah. And once he did use it, though, against the beast, I think it disappears. Yeah. He he threw it and it sunk into the beast's chest as the beast, like, floated into outer space or whatever right and and they kind of left it unclear at that point as to whether the glaive would be back would it return or was it like just a powerful weapon that could be lost forever just because you killed the beast with it no one i don't think they ever really capitalized on that as Mm -hmm. to whether or not it was it it kind of reminded me of a couple of things uh one um you know he has to be worthy to be able to reach in and, and and get the glaive right right um Kind of like in a sense when it comes to the the sword and the stone, 
mm-hmm. you're going to be able to be the one to pull the sword from the stone. You're going to be the one that's worthy for it. We we say worthy reminds you of Thor's hammer Mjolnir. Yeah, you know, exactly. If you're, not, if you're not worthy, you, you can't, can't build the hammer of Thor. You can't pick um, it up. Thinking about Harry Potter in a sense too, because the uh, sword of Gryffindor will present itself to those who are worthy and in, in need. their time of need. Yep. In their time of need. So lots of weapons over the years based on this theory. But in this one here, they don't really go over and let you know if it's back where it should be. Will it be available again if needed? Did True. it ever come? Did it ever come back to Cohen? Yeah, don't really know. We don't know because he just chucked it. But of uh, if we're going on a coolness factor of weapons and looking, we, we we've talked it about the sword for Conan. Incredibly cool, right? We we talked about the sword for Conan. We talked about Freddy Krueger's glove. But right. just just look at that. I mean, it's just like a giant throwing star with Dude. curved blades coming right? out of it. It's like that's insane. That's every kid's dream. Now, pick my big at, golden. Look at how he's holding it right now. Picture yep. him how he's gonna throw it. How? Yeah, can it's you... not gonna be stabby. It's gonna be cutty if he throws it. Well, I don't know though. Well, I mean, yeah, no, it will be stabby. No matter how you hold that thing, how do you throw that? It cut in your hand before it leaves. Oh yeah. Well, you got to drop out the bottom of it. I would imagine you'd have to drop your hand out the bottom. So when you went to throw, you had to drop it out the bottom. You know what we're gonna have to do? We're gonna have to get us a prop. Uh huh. And then we're gonna have to try to throw it, and then we'll figure it out. That's what we need to do. That's what we need to do. And well, you know, the other cool thing about the thing too was the, I remember him holding, he was talking about him not using it much. They did like a lightsaber, like when they they had the energy blasts or whatever from the guns. Yeah. And he hold it like, it's like it disperse the energy blasts I, you know what they should do with that they should make one of those youtube videos for that like to do with everything else and make lightsabers come out of the the glaive oh, a lightsaber glaive dude yeah that's what they should that, do. oh my god <laughs> that would be insane you know I mean, they, getting cut, you cut your own head off they do, they, they do with everything else these days why not do that too you have to hold it I, you know what well, hey maybe that's like why that. Maybe the reason why he didn't use the glaive that much is because he was afraid of it cutting his hand when he yeah, threw it. Yeah, that's a good. That's. Mm-hmm. I yeah. like that explanation because yeah, that looks pretty doggone gnarly. We'll pull that up one more time. That looks really gnarly. It does. It's just it's just an awesome piece to have on display. No doubt. You know what else would be some gnarly awesome pieces to have on display? What else would be a gnarly piece to have on display, Travis? Some guns. But guns, guns are they don't old, like guns. What kind of real American don't like guns? That's right, America. Are, are they old guns? They old guns. They're old guns from a movie They're called old, Awesome Guns. <laughs> Young guns. They are old guns from a movie called Young Guns. Yeah. Now was I now, right when we discussing this? Because I know I this particular part I did not research, but I know you did. Was I wrong in the fact that at least one of them is a forty four? Uh, I would say that you were probably incorrect on it. Oh, uh, although, I don't, although I left. don't know for certain. So let, let, let me tell you what I found this out about this one this. on the left right here. Looks like a single action Colt 44 revolver. Now, when you say, are you talking about Billy the Kid's left or the screen's left? Uh, the screen's left. So that'd be Billy the Kid's right. Oh, okay. Billy the Kid's right. Okay. Now, uh, first off. What we want out of these guns, we want to have a display case for these guns. I, I was very specific about this. You are very specific. Very specific because I want it all. 
But it looked good. I want it all. It, it was good. Look good. I want a shadow box to put the guns mm -hmm. in. Okay. I want a picture in the background, similar to what he had of Billy the Kid pointing the guns out. Okay. Right. But kind of doing it. Whatever he can. I want it. Yeah. I want a certificate of authenticity that it came from the set. Yeah. Autographed by me. You're moving your film. camera again. I did it. Beating on the desk. I got to quit hitting the desk. <laughs> my green screen's gonna go crazy here that's how I, we know we're excited I, I want it autographed by emilio estevez himself right that right. was some that was some by god pounding right there yeah so, but yeah it, to have him autographed to have him any you know that pissed off look that he's got right here in his yes. face and everything, that's the perfect man. picture for it i think it, it truly it really is now yeah. to tell you what i found out about those yeah. uh i was looking this up william h billy the kid Bonnie is it starts carrying a Colt 1877 dual action lightning thunderer revolver with a six inch Ooh. barrel towards the start of the film. A Colt dual action. He uses it along with a single action army in some scenes. It says that's that, a Colt. That's a 44. Is that a 44? Action. See, I told you I didn't know for money. sure. I told you I didn't know for sure because it could be listed as something else on here. True, true. And I'm not real, you know, savvy when it comes to old weaponry or anything like that, what their names would be. But it says that Billy takes Sheriff Brady's four and a half inch lightning and thus wields two Colt lightning revolvers by the end of the film. Yeah. So at the end of the film, when he's coming out in that chest, they've kicked out a chest out the, the top of the house where they're being held there uh, or they're cornered in and they come up with a, a way to get out of it. And they kick this chest down there. And all of a sudden, you see people, the guys that start running out, and Billy pops up out of the chest with two guns blazing. I yeah. think that scene you had there, go back to the scene again. Yeah, I believe that was it. No, it's yeah. not. No, it's not. that's, that's okay. not from it, no. Okay, but, but the, one, so the, one in, the one in his left hand is the Thunderer, according to the pictures I just Googled. Mm -hmm. And it is a, it's a 41, which I didn't even know was a thing. Okay. <laughs> How about that? Yeah. It's 0.41 caliber. Either way it goes, I want them guns exactly like I said on my wall, hanging up in a shadow case for display with all the stuff I mentioned. It might be a fairly big shadow box to put on the wall, but I'm okay with that. It's going to look good. Heck yeah. It's going to look good because not only will I have those two guns there, eventually there's going to be some more stuff around it that we'll get to at a later date. Ah. That's gonna make it even yeah. more worthy. So that'd be cool. I'm sorry. I was. I'm sorry. I was doing like the aha, aha, because I was actually reading that. So now, now you've got me like super on these pistols now, or these revolvers, and now I'm looking at. Like, I've been got some stuff pulled up on them. Right. This is really, really neat. So you over there uh, saying it's late here? Why, well, man? When we get done with this, you can be looking at guns all night long. I know you got me messed up. So Hartford. Connecticut manufactured double action revolver made in 1896. This is the Colt model. Yep. Uh, it says here we present an antique Colt M1877 Thunderer revolver manufactured in 1986 in Hartford, Connecticut. The model 1877. Uh, you said 1986. Thirty-two. 
Neither the Lightning nor Thunder were Colt designs and were not used by the factory in any reference materials. Both terms were coined by Benjamin Kitteridge, one of Colt's major distributor, distributors. Kitteridge was also responsible for the term peacemaker for the Colt single action army. The 1877 Thunderer in 41 caliber was preferred weapon of Billy the Kid and his weapon of choice when he was killed by Pat Garrett in 1881. Awesome. That's pretty neat, man. And that's from, uh, that's from gunsinternational.com. Uh, it's a trading site that I just looked up for anyone that might want to know. That is that's good information. That was that's, a neat, that's awesome. that's, that was just neat to run across that. It was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So now you can see why we want it now. We got to have it. Got to have it, man. Got to have it. What, Maybe. What, what number can, are we on now, Travis? Uh, We are on number um nine right now. So, well, oh. actually, Billy's pistols are eight. So we're going into nine. Okay. So we got two more things left to go. Okay. Two I, more I, know, things. I know what two things they are now. I'm trying to think in my head what we got left. Here, uh, so. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping that we can use this next thing to go back and get those guns. That would be great. Bang. Because a flux capacitor would do it. Now, we may have trouble finding those 1.21 gigawatts it takes to make it go. Well, hey, we've had some rainstorms around here lately. So we have. We needed some. Um, if, we, if we get the flux capacitor, like, what car are we putting in? Do we want to go ahead and put it back in a DeLorean? No, I don't have no, a DeLorean. We don't have a DeLorean. That's what I'm saying. I, I guess we're going to put it in a 2015 Challenger uh, Rumblebee with uh, Stage 2 Petty Performance Package. I see. That sounds a lot better than my Kia Rio. Oh, hey. <laughs> I mean, I, I like the sound of that. We can bring stuff back in the Rio, though. Oh, more I don't know. Though. The Challenger's got a pretty big trunk. It's about a four-body trunk, so. A lot of room for junk in the trunk. We can hit 87 miles an hour, like uh, 88, bad. sir. 88, 88, 88. Yes, let's get it right. My bad. 88. My bad. We can hit 88. 88 miles look, like that. the flux capacitor requires 88 miles per hour and 1.21 gigawatts. 21 gigawatts. To go. Yeah. Notice how it says there, shield eyes from light. Yes. But they never did that. They never did that. Never. And you know what else is funny to me? That they've got, we've got all this high technology mm-hmm. and our little uh, little doggone note things was the little red. Remember, you squeeze yes. it and you turn the dial and squeeze right. it. And turn it to, oh, man, it's so retro. That's, a, that's, that's what they got <laughs> that on was there right label now. label maker right there. That's what I'm saying. Right. Label, our exactly. label maker. Little, right. Squeeze it, turn the dial on top, squeeze it. <laughs> Those were man. great. It's, it says here, in order to travel through time, the vehicle integrated with the flux capacitor needed to be traveling at 88 miles per hour and required 1.21 gigawatts of power originally supplied by plutonium-powered nuclear reactor. Mm-hmm. However, for the time machine's return trip, plutonium was not available, so a lightning rod was connected directly to the flux capacitor and was used while the vehicle sustained 88 miles per hour. Plutonium was used once again for the trip forward in time uh, least 30 years, and at some point thereafter, the plutonium reactor was replaced by a Mr. Fusion home energy generator from yes. the future that was fused by extracting hydrogen Trash. atoms from garbage. Right. So now, I was hoping you were going to say that because that's what I was going to say. Remember, he was stuffing all the daggum. Yes. He was stuffing like celery sticks and stuff. It looked like he had a juicer going on or something. Yeah. <laughs> Trash juicer. Right. Which you know what at the time it worked it was good it, I thought it was funny when in the theaters when you know when it happened 
Right. I mean, this is something wrong with it. Probably was something silly to have. Yeah. Well, last but not least. Yes. We got all this stuff to look at in our in our man cave. Our man cave is looking pretty bare with you know, other than this stuff. We're gonna want a place to sit. So what if we got a place to sit that was also a prop? I think it's I think it sounds great to me. I mean it's gotta be it's gonna have room for several people on it. I think this one does. We're gonna get the couch from Married with Children. Sounds good. Do, 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 do. <laughs> I'm excited about that one. I like that one. I think that's a great pick. It doesn't look, like I said earlier, it doesn't look very comfortable. I mean, you know, uh, depending on how tall you how are. How comfortable yes, does it? How comfortable does it have to be? <laughs> I mean, for a tall person. I mean, look at look at Ed O'Neill sitting there. Yeah, he, it looks looks like he's sunk down in the back of it. His knees are up almost as high as his shoulders in the picture. True, true. Uh, he just doesn't look very comfortable. Right. Or it could be because he's next to Peg too. I don't know. I was gonna say if I could sit beside Kelly, or you know what I mean. Well, it doesn't matter I, how uncomfortable you are. You find a way to be comfortable. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. This is the most comfortable couch I ever sat on in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful For, to boot. Yeah, that nothing like that 70s floral print going on. Right. Yeah, there wasn't a whole lot of uh researching to do on this one. I guess you can just go to your grandma's house and it's probably still got the plastic on it. You can if you yeah. right, if you're gonna talk about something <laughs> like that, there is not one household in the 70s or early 80s that did not have them ugly flowery print couches. And some of them, yeah, there was a real popular set that was out that the flowery print, uh, I believe there were flowery prints on the cushions. But they had like wooden frames to them, and yeah. there was and there was no real wood on it except for the armrest. Their armrest was like real wood. The rest and was it like was hardwood too. Yeah, and ours was doggone. It wasn't the flowery print. It was like an old water mill. It had the water wheel on it, and it was a mill and like yes, a there was a buggy. There was those as well. Yes, we had those everywhere, and yeah. then the ottoman was made out of wood, like. Do what those catchers were for were to keep the kids from jumping on them because we never jumped on those catchers without getting hurt. I'm here to tell mm. you. No, once we you got busted your, up in them catches. Once you cracked your skull on that arm a couple of times, you didn't do it no more. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Or you tried to jump off the ottoman and since it was all the little wood stuff, it'd slide across the linoleum. Look, look, so it come out from under your feet and bam, down you went. If we're gonna speak on some old furniture like it, I gotta bring one piece of furniture up that was okay. also an electronic in the house that was necessary to everybody because we all loved it, which was the television. Yeah, but the televisions they used to have at that point were big console TVs. Yeah, there was no flat screens that went on your wall, right? It uh, wasn't a low, it wasn't even a small like 13 or 13 inch or 24 inch or 27 inch with a with a big tube in the back of it, you yeah, could sit you on top to of a, a shelf either. And you had to be into middle, you know, in the mid eighties, you had to be upper middle class to even have a color TV yet. I, and this right here, there was, I, I can remember the one that my mom had, my mom and my dad had a, a, a console television that probably stretched. Here, let me think here for a second. Uh, probably five feet, you mm -hmm. know, going five feet wide on either end. Okay. Mm -hmm. One end, had a um, the uh, record player in it. Yep. Uh, speakers were on both sides of the TV at yep. the bottom, and on the other end over there was an eight track player. Yeah. Because eight track was a thing at the time. It wasn't it wasn't cassettes or anything. It was, mm -hmm. and uh, this wasn't really in the eighties. This was more that like was in the late seventies. Yeah, I was gonna say I was saying that's your big RCA unit there. And it was uh, it's either RCA or Sylvania, one of the yeah. two. Yeah. 
And but it was just neat that you get the television that you're watching, or when you're not watching TV, it also plays your albums over here or your eight tracks over here. Uh huh. It was a full entertainment system, basically. Oh yeah, that was big time. Yeah, so that was your I entertainment system before you had now. I remember a couple of them. It was crazy. But then in my time, we got into the daggum big old rear projection big screens. Yep. Now those like, were huge. Like two refrigerators sitting side you, by side. It, it was. <laughs> you, you thought you were big stuff if you had like a sixty-inch screen or oh yeah, five-inch screen. One of those deals. But like you said, it's like two giant appliances side by side because the the thing in the back was huge back there. Yeah, too. that projection. And if you ever got one, you sure didn't want to bring it in. You wanted it delivered and set up by somebody else because yep. you did not want to pick those things up. Mm-hmm. Or. Mm-hmm cracking the screen or replacing the bulbs because it had yep. you didn't have you didn't have like you know a tube tv where the colors were in the it had three lights in the back it had a red blue and green light in the back mm-hmm. and it hit a filter that mm-hmm. had lines in it and that yep. filter the, the screens were actually like three or four pieces sandwiched together that to actually go together to make this thing work it was it that's See, isn't it- isn't that it's crazy? a complicated piece of doggone machinery there. It was. And it was expensive to replace. The any lights. of it. Any of it. I mean, it was expensive. It was so expensive that when most people went out, I've, I've actually seen this. They pulled the screens out and set another TV inside the big TV. <laughs> I've seen them do it. I really saw that. That's crazy. It's like today people talk about, I can't buy no fancy electric car. You know what it costs to replace the batteries and those things? Well, yeah. <laughs> they're the same people who were back in the day going, I can't afford one of them big screen TVs. Like, yeah, you know what you cost to replace with screens on one of them things? Yeah. No. There's all kind of stuff back then. Satellite dishes and everything else. But but anyway, to the couch again. That's you know, yes. it, that's the most if, if we're talking about something that's gonna be something to sit on and it's an iconic prop at that because it's from married with children it was such a very popular tv show over the years and it was in it was in a lot of the scenes mm-hmm. uh even if they're just passing by it or not it's it, it's where al would plant himself every day when he come home from every work. day assume Dang. the position <laughs> assume the position <laughs> that's what he would do he's just psycho dad no or doubt whatever, whatever whatever was on tv he wanted to watch or whether he's making fun of marcy when she comes in the door or, <laughs> or uh you know just whatever it was it was, it was there's like no other the piece of furniture except possibly possibly the couch from the the uh the brady bunch which that's just me trying to think of a piece of furniture i the, really the uh the furniture and the, the the couch and the two chairs at central perk and friends yeah i think there is iconic that's then, a set. That would be like a, a living room set, you would say, not just a piece of furniture. But right, right. That would be something. That, but those are like, I can't really think of too much else that's on par with, you know, the couch married with children. Archie's recliner. Archie's recliner, yeah. yeah. Uh, the recliner from Howard the Duck. Yes, yes, absolutely, yeah. If you're going to come and go that far with it, you know, that's something else as well. Right, right. Heck so. yeah. Well, that is number ten, I believe. Yes, it is. That, that was our that 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 wraps up our first ten pieces that we're talking about for this. Uh, we'll do another one. I don't know when we'll do it, Travis. We'll do another one one day soon, though, where we'll do ten more pieces. Um, but we'll change it from props to just say nostalgia. Or yeah, something. I like that. I like that. Uh, it could be, you know, and just to give a couple. That of might hints, let me show off some of my personal stuff. And it might, but just a, a couple of hints of what nostalgia could be. Uh, and Travis has this very item. 
um, if you were a cartoon fan and you love the Thundercats. Oh, it's not the Tobo Man. No, there's a replica sword that was made. Yeah, so he's, pretty, yeah. he's got the go replica. Through. He's got the replica sword for um, the uh, uh, Sword of Omens. Sword of from, Omens from, from Thundercats. Yes. Uh, his Turbo Man in behind him back there from uh, you know from the movie. They never made a toy for it, yeah, but finally, finally a toy comes out for it. You could have. Um, something that's just nostalgic could be another arcade game where when the first Mortal Kombat game came out in the 90s. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think was that in the 90s? Yeah, absolutely. Late, late 90s? It, it has early, to be. No, no, that was mid-90s. Mid-90s? Yeah, because okay. I remember being a kid dying to play Mortal Kombat. I remember being at work and on my lunch break going down the road to the place that had it and playing it on my lunch break. Because me and a friend I worked with would go down there and challenge each other on a bet for like like for 30 minutes of our hour-long yeah, break. Yeah, I was right. Early 90s. 1992 when that came out. That sounds right. And we would do that. I mean, to have a replica of that game or a Killer Instinct or a Daytona 500, right. one of those things in there, you know, that would be something that would be considered nostalgic. So, An autographed Tony Todd photo. Nostalgia. There you go. Yeah, something like so it. Can, it can be. It can be anything that's related to something nostalgic to you that you remember growing up with or being as a young adult that you liked and everything. The Black Cat, Broly, Dungeons and Dragons, the Cobra Kai Dojo. See. One of these days, one of these days, I'm gonna have me a room, Travis, where I can put some of my stuff behind me too. One of these days, I hope it comes quickly, buddy. I do too. I would like that. I got a good feeling about it. Oh, I would love to have something like that. I got a good feeling about it. There's houses that have stuff like that in Tennessee. Uh, yes, I'm gonna find one. I'm gonna find one too. (laughs) Yeah, you watch. All right, well, let's go ahead and then get the social media bit out of the way here. So yes, if you guys don't mind, take a couple of moments here and take a look at this for us. You know, social media is a very important thing these days. It's the way that you keep up with us and the way that we hear from you. So if you would, take a moment and follow us. We're located at TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram at our name, Retro Life For You. That's R-E-T-R-O-L-I-F-E, the number 4-Y-O-U. You can also reach us via email at retrolifeforyou at gmail.com. And don't forget to subscribe and follow and share us with your friends. And hey, while you're at it, do us a huge favor and leave us a great five-star review and a rating. It helps in ranking the podcast and, most importantly, lets us know how we're doing for you. All right, got that done and out of the way. Heck yeah! That's Next, where you can, that's podcast. where you can find us right there, Travis. That's where they can find us. That's they, they need to know now. That something happened. I, oh, there you are. I was are. lying about next week, by the way. You're what? I was lying about next week, by the way. You're lying about next week. Yeah, I just shouted out because I did so good with my segue. I was like, next week, seven degrees of Harrison Ford. <laughs> And no one heard it. <laughs> and nobody no, heard it. Nobody heard it. Were you doing it while the social media was playing? I don't know. Have you noticed? That I thought tried... I did it right when we came back. Uh, okay, well, you may have because I started to tell you, you were talking and I couldn't hear you. And then all of a sudden you reappeared in the voice again. Oh, yeah. Yeah, something happened. Yeah, but that's how know. y'all can find us. That's right. And we're not doing a show on 7 Degrees of Harrison Ford. No, we're not. Yet. 
yet. I'm not. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have any plans for that. No, we don't. <laughs> but if we do, you'll be the first to find out. Right, right. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up another show for us, Travis. So we'll go ahead and uh, say goodbye to everybody, and we will see you guys on the next episode. Thanks for watching. Tonight. Adios, familia.